Hi um, everyone, um, my name's Kai, um, we're doing a little sesh on a Wednesday afternoon um, with five people. Um, those five people are Sam, Luca, <laughs> um, I like that Sam, um, Isabel and Gabby. Um, if you'd like to make a noise to indicate which one of those names applies to you then you can do that if you want to but I'm sure we'll figure it out if you don't want to. Anyone want to make a noise? Oh, I think someone's phone went off there. <laughs> I thought it was a cow to be fair. So we're being joined by a cow. Go for a cow, go for a proper cow. Thank you. No, go for a cow. Go for it. Ah, what? Moo. <laughs> So we're being drawn by Luca, who is a cow who's currently in labour. Um, we'll give, we'll update you at the end of the episode if um, if the the cow lives. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> we got two yummy topics today. Um, one of them is whether certain vegetables should be classed as fruit, and that's unanimous, so we're not going to talk about that. Uh, the first one is universal basic income, and it sounds so boring, but actually I think it's quite cool. <laughs> Let's talk about income, guys. That's one way to sell it, yeah. <laughs> it's super boring. <laughs> right, so... On Instagram, I did some Polish people. Actually, no, hang on. I did um, some Instagram polls. And That's bad. So I asked um, two questions about um, universal income. The first one was simply, um, should we have universal income? Um, three people said yes and two people said no. The interesting thing is that the second question I asked, um, do we want a society where we don't need to work? Zero people said yes, and eight people said no, which I think is quite interesting, and I think that's um, different to the first question. Um, so, I'll give a quick definition of what universal basic income is for the people who don't know. Um, so it's it literally, both, all three of the words mean a thing. So it's universal, so that means that everyone gets it, and there's no means test to decide whether or not you get it, or de to determine how much you get. Um, basic, which means that it's enough, it's enough money to live and like pay rent, but not live like a frivolous life. And it's income, which means that it's not coupons, it's just cash, cash in hand. So no sneaky things from supermarkets, so <clears throat> there's quite a few issues with it that people have with it. Um, the f one of them is like financing it, and we'll go into that a little bit later because I think that moral and ethical things are a bit more interesting to start off with. <sighs> so um, the purpose of universal in basic income, um, well, one of the main purposes is that it means that if you're unemployed, um, it doesn't matter because you you get approximately like £1,200 a month from the government just every day of your life um, so that you don't need to work and if you want to work then you can but it's not going to penalise you like benefits can do because sometimes if you are on benefits and then you um, start work you might receive less money so it properly incentivises working um, but that does mean of course 
like with benefits that you could just vibe and never work so the question is the first question is do we want to, to be in a society where we don't need people to work and they can just live and do what they want um i was just going to say that i think if that were to happen that just nobody works wouldn't that really be like economically damaging unless you know like the communities where everybody does i don't know maybe the garden work where they share the fruit and veg but um but i feel like that would be um almost impossible to achieve because it takes us back like almost many it takes us back many generations of of the advances that we've had so i think it would be impossible to convince people to do that and also for it just to work in like yeah um are you thinking so like... say that economically it's not actually like Are you thinking like, because this is a separate thing that we will get onto in the bit, but like, are you thinking that, because what I was thinking, because the purpose of it originally is to, it's like a, a kind of a backstop for like a select few people who are unemployed, but it still gives an incentive for people to work. It's like, because you, you wouldn't really want to stay on it for too long because it's just the bare, bare minimum and you can't really do very much. So it's not so like everyone will still get the basic income but everyone's still going to keep their jobs and stuff so it's it's in addition to stuff rather than you just can't work kind of thing so it just means that a select few might be able to just never work so it's the necessity to work because right now it's arguable that you have to work in order to survive in the UK yeah exactly I think that um, if there were to be this that people should definitely be encouraged to on a job and work because um, if people have this and then just nobody works then obviously that would not be possible to financially um, like if people just decided well we get this anyway so we may as well not work but I think in general well actually I don't know but I feel like I want to work like um I want to like be able to go into the world and uh, um, be able to get a job and everything. Um, so it, it's uh, I just think that uh, you can it's it's like Sorry, I cut off. I think um, the la- okay. the last bit went a bit funky. Um, the the gist of the point that she said in my opinion is that um like it some it just might be the case that everyone stops working because there's no need to so do people think that that would happen as a result of um universal basic income being introduced yeah that's it so we're trying to understand if people work or not on the system of universal basic income i think it's important to look at the lab test because i discussed it before the idea that they're doing these kind of localized uh, testing on ideas if it would work in that area. And I was talked about how it's pretty much over doubled during coronavirus. So I think mean, it's gone to about 15 now in the UK. So it's 24 
uh, labs in the, the UK and they're all looking at, you know, for example, in Cardiff, whether it, how it would impact the local area, would people stop working as much, etc. And um, that being said, there's also been a big test in Finland recently. Um, I think it was a two year test and they found that there was an improvement to mental health, um, confidence in your own health in terms of memory and general performance, but also there was a, a minor increase. They made it clear it was a minor increase in people wanting to work and getting back to work. And that actually gave Nicholas Surgeon the confidence to say that it might be time to have it. But I think it's important to look at these tests and not to rush into just applying it. Uh, because we can sit here and talk all day, well, I know this personally would work, I personally work, but I don't think you can tell by theory or, or principle. I think we need to say, oh, let's give it a year or a year or two and see what the impact is, and then see how continuing it or change it up a bit. Yes, I, I agree with that. <clears throat> yeah, I do agree with that. Um, that's a very good um, way to go about doing it. Would you say that if it turned out that through the tests that a lot of people weren't working but it was still economically like sustainable would you be like cool with that being how society is yeah it's obviously it's all theoretical so i can't make any any yeah. certain yeah. points but i think it depends on the other impacts if it's uh for example better than universal credit because there is an argument that not only about the kind of encouraging to get back to work but just for simplicity because universal credit is so complicated and people aren't always getting payments on time and it's really difficult to register for. Some people get quite a lot for no reason, so they get hardly any when they need it. So this could actually be a much more simpler and probably economically more cost-effective system to use. So it depends on those impacts as well. But in, yeah, I wouldn't judge it just for the primary principle of getting me back to work. There's other, other aspects of the measure as well, really. Okay, that's fair. <clears throat> Yeah, there's like a billion different factors that like influence it, which means it's quite tricky to deal with them. But I guess the way that you're talking about it is being like, just try it kind of thing. I guess that's the other thing. Sorry, I'll say quickly, like, um, I've been listening to the uh, Lib Dem debates uh, running up to the, the leadership election for them, which is now a Davy, and he talked a lot about his idea of universal basic income. And uh, his idea is to create a kind of sovereign wealth fund out of the coronavirus loans so the loans that companies have had rather than having to pay them back to the government they could use them to exchange them for shares in a universal basic income kind of pocket if you like we could all share out a big pot um, so the idea is that actually this could be the right time to do it because there's a big amount of debt that needs to be exchanged and used up and funded somehow uh, so in some ways I feel like this is the right time to do it for a year or two yeah that does make sense. <clears throat> um, the other thing that I was going to say was that like there are a lot of just straight up um, instant benefits like it being so much easier than universal credit but then a lot of them, especially the economic ones, um, you can only tell if they're going to work in the long term because it's it's a lot of things like for example um, people argue that it would decrease crime because you don't need to rely on crime and if it's like £50,000 a year to keep someone in prison, then that's a lot less than £12,000 a year to like just keep them happy and so there's tons of stuff like that um, which is a bit tricky and I guess it also combines with like with Black Lives Matter and stuff and like defunding the prisons and it's just there's just like a billion things that keep mixing up um, together um, 
there's there's a couple more like ethics questions. That was the big one actually. Um ooh. Um yeah, we'll go on to the second one. So another thing that like prompts universal basic income to be like talked about is the whole idea of like automating um with robots and stuff, manual labor. Um so the, the it's it's quite interesting because like there are just a lot of tasks that can be done um by robots but aren't currently and so the first one is like so just take like someone who works at McDonald's or something and the the tasks that you're doing there do not require human intelligence um so there is sometimes an incentive for employers to um, use robots because they're cheaper than people and also like don't go on sick leave and stuff what so do we think that there should be like a tax for using machines and stuff because it's putting people out of jobs so like or the opposite of that like incentivizing not automating tasks so like if a factory uses people and gives us gives society jobs then they should be benefited rather than hindered by that kind of thing I'll go there. Um, I think, well, personally, I'm kind of really anti-mechanization uh, because of the impact on, yeah, I just don't think we should entrust the idea of giving private companies and even public uh, sector really that much power over, because I feel like, okay, the, the population is reducing over time, but the impact of taking away so many jobs so quickly because technology advances much more rapidly than uh, human changes would just be catastrophic. So my, my opinion there would be, it wouldn't work alongside it, even though you might have a few people on universal basic income while there's less jobs available, uh, the, that job market will continue to shrink even if even if it is there. So I think they should keep as many jobs as they can really. I don't think there's any benefit to society. Hmm, that's interesting. Oh, that is interesting. Cause I guess like the, well, I mean, this is this is the other like, deep question that like oh it's hard to put into words like um because the way that like people talking about automation and stuff it it came across to me like it was something that should be incentivized the automation of tasks and just like exponential getting rid of stuff that you don't want to do and that kind of prioritizes and like means that a lot more people are doing more highly qualified um jobs would that make people happier if like you could live and not so it's the kind of it's either you can survive by doing uh, manual labor jobs or like that kind of those kind of jobs or you can not need to work and then like study more or do other things to get qualifications and then get a more qualified job or something would that be preferable i'm guessing you don't think it is i mean the fact that the you'd have more time to study and gain higher qualifications for a higher qualified job just goes to show how how much the job market would shrink and how much that you'd have to have more and more qualifications like we've seen it with universities now i mean the more and more people go to university because of the incentive that they need to for higher paying jobs means that actually degrees are becoming more and more useless they're becoming inflated and actually the idea of it is just um, I think it puts too much pressure on one solution to a problem that it just, when actually problems are so much more complex, they need multiple solutions to, to solve that. So I think 
it's kind of I don't mean this in a harsh way, but you have a, a variety of levels in society where um, different people are suited to different tasks. And if you're expecting people increasingly to only go for the higher paying jobs where they need higher qualifications, then people who aren't suited to that are going to suffer mostly as a result of that. And so over time, they'll be shrinking as, an, uh, as a population. Uh, you could argue that with universal education, that would be solved. But I don't, I don't think we're there, there, there yet. It's a long, long game, really. But ultimately, I think if you're prioritising the mechanisation, you're prioritising the uh, the consumer side of the balance in society between consumer and worker, because ultimately they'll gain the most at the expense of the other side. So I think you've got to be careful with it, really. That's fair. <clears throat> um, I, d I don't know how practical this is or like whether it would happen or if we can even debate whether or not it would happen and stuff just a point that someone brought up about this whole thing was that like there are certain jobs for example waitering you can't like really be qualified in that i mean obviously you can as in like having lots of experience and things but that's like a job that no one would really want to be replaced by a robot because that's just worse than talking to a human so i guess what they say by like increasing automation is that those jobs like waitering and stuff where you're talking to people and like receptionists and things they'd get like more um they could be like what am I trying to say they're like they'd be more valuable so that and then like people would use them more because book oh my god <laughs> right um <laughs> it, it would just be like there's no alternative and employers really want them so that so those jobs would be paid better and like the experience of them would have to be better in order for people to actually do them because the alternative would just be not working so and that's the other thing that like because there's no risk um of getting of just not getting a job um that means that people who want a job can be more assertive with like getting more flexible hours and things um, but there's there's too much to think about with all of this because it's all hypothetical. I I I don't really know what like end goal universal basic income would result in, obviously because no one does, or what one we'd want it to be. Because like <laughs> there are, there are certain situations where universal where like not working is good. So for example, um. Um, if you were a, a, a parent and you wanted to spend lots of time with your kids and you only did like a few shifts um, every now and then that would be better because you'd have more time with your kids and you wouldn't need to rely on work and stuff and then also like students because they would have they'd be able to spend more time studying and stuff and um, but then some people would just have nothing to do and it's it's clear that working gives you a purpose and stuff so I've kind of exploded my mind a bit with all of this because there's so many factors. <sighs> um, okay. Um, unless anyone has anything else to say about like automation and stuff, then I think I'm going to move on because it's kind of exploded my mind. Um, oh yeah. Oh, sorry. It would just be interesting to mention, as I usually do on these episodes, is um, has anyone seen? Uh, the episode of the Joe Rogan podcast where he interviews Andrew Yang. 
Um, I saw a piece of it, but not much. Possibly, I can't remember. Which is one. there he exactly talks about universal basic income? Because I think that was one of the main parts known about him as a candidate. Yeah. And then he also does go into automation as well. And I think he brings up sort of, you know, similar points to you guys and how um, people want to stay with universal basic income. Oh, no one will want to work. But we sort of seem to forget the idea that we like the idea of doing things for ourselves and earning our own money. Yeah. And the fact that we'd want to live outside of just the basic income that just it's the idea is that it gives you enough to have, you know, a stable sort of life. But you'll but you'll just sort of naturally want to do more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. <clears throat> and that's the vibe a lot of people get from benefits, I suppose. That's that's that is interesting. I should definitely have a listen to that. Joe Rogan is very sexy. <clears throat> um right, next thing about universal basic income. Um what on earth do you do about migrants and immigrants? Um so like um just one thing, it doesn't it's not gonna affect us, unfortunately. Um the EU has a policy that means that um migrants from other countries um it's like you you just can't treat them differently to like a normal citizen and obviously you can see what that would mean for universal basic income um is that a thing that people should is that a factor that we should be worried about just like having an influx of everyone coming in and seeking it and if so would there be something that we do about immigration to like mean that only certain people can come in or you can only get it after a bit or something That's a really difficult discussion to have. <laughs> I mean, we talked, uh, I think, in debate club, was it, about the, um, the idea of the new points-based system that's coming in uh, with Boris Johnson's government. And I suppose if you work along those lines, then you could apply it to everyone because the, the workers coming in will be uh, a small amount of migrants, immigrants. Um, so it's not exactly that much to cost uh, the British people. Um, and it probably would cost effective because it would encourage them to grow and take on bigger challenges within the economy, which would push our economy further. So it probably would work quite well with that. But then if you apply it to everyone, that's where it starts to get tricky. Can we afford it? To what extent would it would apply to refugees as well? Or are they only temporary? Are they citizens and stuff? I mean, I can't make a, a certain comment on this. My initial thinking is a period of time kind of idea. That's what's thrown around like, the idea of the NHS now, like where you don't uh, overtax them. You treat them as a kind of an entry-level citizen on the, like a, like a, a kind of process of becoming a full citizenship. Um, that kind of idea, where they're not heavily charged, but exactly not heavily benefited either. And then after time, they earn their kind of citizenship and they get all the rights as, as well as that. But that's I, I haven't looked into the details of that, so I can't say any further. Yeah. But that's my initial thinking on it. Okay, that's interesting. That that I suppose that would. It, on the face of it, it sounds like a really good way of dealing with it. Although I'm sure someone would um, have a counter to that. Um, I wasn't there for the points-based thing, and I haven't heard about it in any other thing. Um, would you explain it for for little of me, please? So, points-based system is um, I don't know the details. Basically, you get you have to score a certain amount. It's like applying to uni, actually. Great. Uh, you have to use score points based on whether you've got a confirmed job, what kind of qualifications you've got, uh, stuff like that, what kind of job you do, and if you hit the right 
boxes, you earn points. The more points you earn, you are more likely to enter. You have to hit a certain threshold. Uh, I don't know what it is, but yes, ideally, if you're uh, a mechanical engineer, he's already got a job confirmed. You're probably coming in. Uh, but if you're a kind of unqualified person that's not got a job confirmed, you might not get in. That's the whole basis of it. So basically, yeah, people who yeah. will benefit the economy and take it further come straight in. That's what I do. Okay. Does it um, say anything about like kids and stuff? Because obviously, you wouldn't expect a kid to have a qualification, but then equally, they can get qualifications and stuff. So, and also just, I mean, you can't generalise it to people who just don't have qualifications, but yeah, what about kids? Does yeah, it... I think kids, if, if they're part of a family, and say the parents the ones moving over, then it's fair game. Um, other than that, I don't think kids can come over by themselves, so, I mean, that's it. I think it depends whether the kids are part of the family, or not. I don't think you can yeah. say, yeah. like, an assess a 14-year-old if they've got enough qualifications. You'll <laughs> probably, probably phone the local police and why is a 14-year-old trying to enter by themselves, but... Yes. <laughs> okay. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's... That does seem quite... quite good, but then I guess it ignores the idea that, like, certain people don't have any qualifications, but then could get qualifications because obviously people in the UK do that as well so but I guess that there's not very much you can do about that unless you just don't have a points based system but we did have a discussion and we had a kind of consensus towards the end but it would be a good system for Britain's take to benefit Britain but we all we all kind of agree there needs to become some kind of uh, wealth going back towards those countries so, say, like, Iraq has a mechanical engineer uh, who's got a job here, so that person moves from that economy over to ours, that takes away from the Iraqi economy. So we all agree that there needs to be some kind of foreign aid increase or investment trade deals where the wealth flows both ways, not just one. Uh, so you're not the stripping of the countries of all their great learned people, you're actually giving some of it back to them. That was the idea we were floating around. We don't know exactly how we go into that. That's that's policy discussions. We're not going in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. That, that's quite a good idea, actually. Um, and that's that's quite um, a relevant one as far as universal basic income, because actually no, it's more automation. Um, um, I haven't written notes about this, but one of the things that they said about as far as just automating everything, if you did that in a developing country where um, like the countries are developing because there is a factory there that's giving people jobs and stuff um, and then if you automated it all obviously they don't have jobs and stuff do we think that that like because you, you already you've already explained that you don't want automation to be a massive thing and I guess your opinion would be the same applying to that as well in developing countries it's, I mean, not saying I don't want it to be like a big thing, I just, I don't think we should actively encourage it and replace all jobs. But like, I think, at the end of the day, the government shouldn't say, oh no, let's ban such and such machines. They are quite useful, especially in developing countries, they actually need, they do need more <laughs> mechanisation. That's not like I can contradict myself, but give me a chance. Um, <laughs> because the, the benefits are, say, like, because the kind of mechanisation I think is beneficial, is say you've got, uh, for example, farming. Um, It'd be useless about mechanisation at the moment. You need 
machines that can plough a field in an hour as opposed to one horse and a plough that would take you maybe a couple of days. That's the kind of change I'm talking about. Some of the things that help humans beyond their capability or strength or what tools they originally had. But the kind of mechanisation I'm opposed to is basic tasks where we're perfectly capable, like uh, McDonald's, you know, handing food over the counter. I mean, we, we are capable of doing that. And at quite a good speed. If you go to McDonald's, you'll get food within <laughs> two to ten minutes. And the only fault I have with McDonald's is drive through but that's it, you know. So I don't think there's like, you don't need to, like, it's not with farming where there needed to be much mechanisation. We don't need McDonald's to pump out food in 30 seconds, like with a robot. So, but in developing countries, we're all right. They, I think that's where the investment needs to go, you know. But then again, there is a whole argument of, um, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but the idea that it's a bit insulting to just send things over from developed countries. I covered this in GC yeah. geography, like, the ideas of oh let's just send 500 tractors to Africa, and it will go to like Kenya or, or Uganda, and then there's, there's people in villages over there like well what am I want to do with this it's useless, <laughs> you know or like combine harvester they don't even harvest wheat or anything it's like okay so that you, you have to be careful with it. you can't just throw stuff at them it's like well, here here's my great you know great investment but it has to be thought about yeah yeah I definitely agree with that uh, I have I have to go uh, in a moment. But I think that also goes with the idea of, isn't it, like, give a man a fish he eats for a day, teach a man to fish, and he'll be able to feed himself. Because if you just throw some machines at them and then teach them how to use it and then go away, that might, that isn't exactly the most sustainable thing. It's kind of like, well, we've done the bare minimum. We've given you something to help. Now good luck. Bye. That's not exactly useful. Yes. And it's like similar criticism with money as well, because um, there's a lot of my yeah, if, if we throw money at the problem, it will get solved automatically, obviously. <laughs> and That's the reason it. is that in Africa, it's actually made things worse because there's now localized corruption. I mean, I watched a Louis Theroux documentary on Uganda. Yeah, I think it was. And um, they were looking at how the, the trade unions are now like gangs in local areas because they often get investment money that goes down the pipeline through the system and so now they're just corrupt and they run corners and sell drugs or make sure people have to pay to get jobs and things like you can't you can't just throw things it's got to be thought about like uh, for example charities that actually look at local water supplies and actually think about what's the best way to get clean water there it's not just to build awareness sometimes it's the divert streams or whatever you know that kind of level of force what's needed <laughs> It's like actually work with them to sort things out rather than just throwing things at them. Yeah. And exactly now that. I like, I must best... go. go on, go on. No, I must go. Leave. Oh. Okay. Bye. 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 Thank you for coming. Bye. Thank you. Bye. So the best um, project I've seen so far that takes this kind of approach is uh, I don't know what it's called, but it's basically across the kind of midsection of Africa, where you've got the border of the Sahara Desert, there's like a big uh, project to plant lots of trees on the border. And they basically found that stops the desert expanding further into farmland. Uh, and it, it keeps the, the, the land moist enough to enable them to grow food there. And also from then on, it's whatever the local farmers want to do. But it's those kind of initiatives was actually working with the locals and helps a bit more thing. Yeah, yeah. This this whole topic is really really interesting, and um, we were gonna 
we've had a couple of suggestions to talk about this kind of topic and there's just so much to go into and corruption and everything but that trees one's really good because it's the kind of thing that like doesn't really cost as much money as just giving people a load of money but it means that you can't like be corrupt about it because you can't like well you just can't <laughs> there's just nothing you could do it's just a tree in a desert so yeah that's that's really good um good way of doing things um i want to i do want to talk about that but i haven't got any notes about it and that was the thing that i was going to do next week um so for the sake of um like not n not using this topic for to its full potential i'm going to temporarily take it back to um an automation -y thing and then we can talk about something else um you you were saying about like um as far as mcdonald's and stuff um that like you wouldn't want the giving of a burger to be automated or just like get, getting rid of like a receptionist to like just instead of typing in your room number and stuff and that that's really really bad would you say your principle of like i mean I, i'm not asking you for like a definitive answer or anything but like do you think that a, a principle is like that if a human can do it easily it doesn't like enable us to be extra productive it just means that a human wouldn't be doing it that's the time to like not automate it because like it wouldn't just boost anything it would just give you more money kind of thing it wouldn't make a job easier or something yeah so it's kind of and it's probably not it probably doesn't need to happen right um i mean with these kind of changes they wouldn't make that much more money they make a bit of profit which obviously um business owners are, are constantly looking for but i think it's it's a good example of how you need to strike a fine balance it, we live in a kind of consumer society where the basis is people need to buy things for it to carry on functioning we all need to exchange goods and money so that requires a good balance between the consumer and workers or kind of communal aspect of society which inevitably are both the same thing but we both have different attitudes so you know one day i might be working at work stacking shelves the next day i might be going in there and buying something i'm two different people at once if that makes sense this is my own theory about it so i really have to be careful if it's not actually benefiting either side anyway it's only really benefiting maybe the consumer a little bit by making it a bit quicker and all it's doing and it's actually harming the other side quite a bit because actually taking away an entire job then i don't think it's necessary because there's no help needed it's not actually going to make a revolutionary change is it so yeah that makes sense that's very clever yeah because like there are so many things that you could do and it's just like yeah it would benefit you like a little bit by giving you like a tinsy bit of extra profit but the loss of an entire livelihood and stuff is just not not a thing that you can trade for it <clears throat> That's very clever. There are other things that I'm... Yeah, there's just so many jobs. Like, I think... I, th I, th I think that the whole, like, thing when you go into Mackey's, it's got, like, a little screen so you don't even have to talk to a person and then you just collect it. I think that's just so terrible. And, like, we, we're so, like, distant from each other already with our smartphones and things that we can't, like... And, like, self-service checkouts and things. I could be a person helping you and you could talk to them and stuff and <laughs> yeah there are I mean obviously in, in certain circumstances some of them can be justified I can't think of any but yeah yeah 
I think it's more on the kind of skills base and kind of accuracy and things where we're not capable. So, you know, say in surgery sometimes they might use robotic arms or specific camera lenses where we, you know, a human eye couldn't see that deep into, uh, you know, a cut or whatever, whereas they use that to do it. Now that kind of says when mechanization is needed, but just to bring food to you is a bit, you know, I can't see how they make that much profit from it really. If you think about these big fast food chains, KFC, McDonald's, whatever, and the profit they're already making and the system how it works, if you're a consumer, it's a pretty good system. The only uh, big negative really is the food quality isn't great, but that's what you're expecting. It's kind of cheap. So just making it quicker isn't necessary. And you're taking away a whole livelihood. That could be, you know, their kids' future. That could be their confidence in themselves. They could have a mental breakdown after that. So I think you have to strike the balance. You really do. Yes, definitely. Um, the one thing is that um, does this would this like fuck up your principle a bit? The fact that like um, the I mean maybe it doesn't because it might just be that like you've lost your purpose and stuff. But if if like by having automation you have to have universal basic income at the same time, so the two go hand in hand. So that there's no like um, income. Um, insecurity arising from it if there was and like if we just like pretend that permanently and forever there's no economic risk of um, increasing automation if that's just and this is theoretical obviously um, if that is the case where there's no um, income risk by doing UBI is because then it's a case of like is it right to just take someone's purpose away from them if they but they could do like hobbies and things but like um, does that change it as far as because it's not just that they can't survive anymore it's just that they have to do something else in those hours of the week I mean it's certainly possible because if UBI is popular enough and successful enough inevitably you could make it so there are there is no working aspect of society it's purely consumer so inevitably this is over a long period of time obviously but you could make it so the economy is pretty much almost 100% automated and there's very few jobs but people are given that wage so they can spend just as much as they had a job so you inevitably you could do that but I still think that we can't think we can't reduce it purely to economic terms purely to money and uh, to numbers because there's more to it we're more aware of the risk of mental health and things and I think the risk of taking away that confidence that independence and the ambition that people have within them anyway, I feel like inevitably we all, we all have the need to do work or have some purpose in life. If, you see, if you're only giving 3% of the population a chance to work and you're telling the rest of them go and study or something else, just go and relax and try and think about things, I don't think it would be beneficial for the mental health, inevitably. I mean, you can't study forever, you can't keep doing degrees over and over eventually because something's going to give. You might reach your end limit. You might have done, you know, two masters, and you can't go any further. And you might want to settle down and find a purpose in life, but it's all taken by automation. So, I'm I'm not entirely opposed to it. It's possible. I just think it's healthy for human society to work towards that level of ambition towards purpose, which ultimately is our identity. You know, I like the idea of choosing a job, not having to choose it because of income. I like the idea of, I want to be uh, a waiter in a restaurant or a head waiter, if you like. 
um, and you really enjoy that. Something like that. That's I think that's what we need to work towards the goal. Okay, that's fair. Because um, there's there's kind of like a just like a hypothetical end goal that's like, um, just that like the economy is just self-sustaining and you just get like say like just lots and lots of money in your income so that there's just no need to work and then you can just play tennis all day or do whatever you want all day or like create art and like consume art and entertain yourself and things and because it's, it's kind of like um, people who were um, in a nine to five and then they go home and just like um, watch YouTube um, when they're back and stuff and that keeps them happy and stuff and then if you took the job away then it's just um, then you're just going to absorb yourself in consumption and not putting out anything into the world so I don't know what you'd I don't know what to do about that I mean yeah you put it right there like the phrase absorbing yourself in consumption because you would you'd be forced to be just a consumer and I feel it's important to balance within yourself your your working aspect and your consuming aspect. If you're all you're doing all day is eating, drinking, and be merry, I mean that is quite fun, you know, for two weeks off on a holiday, just drinking and eating all day, and maybe reading a good book or something. But for your whole life, it's it's human nature. You need to to feel like you've achieved something, to feel like you've earned something in life, and save that away is just you know. I get the whole kind of Marxist vision. I mean, he outlined it quite well um, in the manifesto with Engels, talking about the idea of uh, what was the exact quote? I'm paraphrasing here, but it's something along the lines of I can fish in the morning, uh, debate in the evening, or something like that. Basically, you can do whatever you want the whole day, whatever you feel like, because the economy, as you said, is self sustaining. And I think it's definitely possible. We can work towards that. Technology's there. Um, the economy could go in the right direction and we can move towards that, especially with universal basic income as a, uh, a foundation for it. I just feel like it's too damaging. It's, it's a one of those paradoxical ideas where a lot of people are starting to actually feel this during lockdown, where the idea of wanting to just chill all the time and do what you want sounds really nice. When you're actually doing it, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of people during lockdown found that. I've watched all the TV box sets now, I've eaten food all day and now I feel yeah. fat. And then you just lose your purpose. And that's what you need to keep, not keep, but, but we'll keep coming back to you rather. Yeah. yeah. I just want to add that, because I agree on that and everything. And I can think that with university, no, what, universal base, base, what's it called? <laughs> Basic income. Okay, yeah, that. Um, um, that um, some people might just think at the start, okay, well, we don't need to work, and then realise that actually work is what was keeping them going. But mm. at the same time, it's really hard to get out of that mindset after a while, if you know what I mean. Like, it, it can be hard to get back into the work mindset, though you know you're not happy just doing nothing all day and maybe just watching Netflix and eating all day. You know, You know that's not um like fully like satisfying you and your interests but at the same time it's hard to move out of that state of mind once it started which is how i can see it um going but 
but I don't know because I do like the idea of it. Um, I think I was one of the ones that voted no, but I don't think I fully understood what it meant. But now after this conversation, I think I'm getting it more. And it's it's kind of like it's a good idea, but also it could be it could be potentially really um, go like in the like the opposite of of what you'd hope. Um, because like it would be awesome if people had that and then just continued working, continued with their interests. And yeah, maybe maybe someone wants to be the chief of like um, the European Space Agency or just like the chief, as you said, like the main waiter or whatever. Like as long as they're happy, you know. But um, and with the universal basic income, then they'd be able to achieve that as well, wouldn't they? But I feel like now there's so much stress on us um, as people that are about to start in the work um, industry thing um, to to aim as high as we can because we're worried about money. We're worried about what we what could happen to us if we didn't achieve that the best you know yeah. so it would be a lot of like you know relief on people's mental health as well if that if that if we could have that but some people might just um like you know um not want to go forward and achieve more of that yeah which is fine but if everyone does that it's not <laughs> yeah i think that's really deep and I, I mean that word genuinely because that is really interesting because like just thinking about all the things you were saying as far as um, what would happen with universe, universal basic income it just seems like exactly what happened with lockdown as in like getting furloughed that's basically just getting your income and a load of people so like some people have been like oh now I'm not working I realised I don't miss it and now I'm doing all these other things and it's really helped me and I guess they felt that because they've got like some other motivation to do something else but then some people will get on furlough and then they they won't have that motivation and they just will do the other things that you said about so. yeah I mean it's quite interesting to say that because I come from my, my mom and dad both key workers they were working all the way through um, but quite a few of my other members of my family, they're all on furlough. And it's, it's, my mum and dad would just come home all the time and moan about the fact that they were at home and getting paid, paid more than them as well. Um, and they would just moan about it. And I think I was quite lucky because of that, because I actually could not sit and do nothing, knowing that my mum and dad were coming in later at the same schedule. So it actually made me work more. Yeah. Uh, and kind of, I was doing essay competitions and things to keep my mind busy because I couldn't cope with it and I feel like it, it is beneficial if you have other people around you who are still working towards their goals I just think the main benefit of universal basic income is it takes away those pressures uh, and transforms them from kind of economic ones which could potentially be quite harmful you know losing your job and maybe becoming homeless or losing everything uh, risks of social relationships breaking down because of that etc it takes away them and I think the main benefit is it could transform them into something more bearable. Because um, you're so, you could be, if you're economically stable, chances are you'll be more socially stable. So you're more comfortable taking risks 
and that's why I think universal-based income is a form of weaker socialism, maybe, that, that could be really beneficial for capitalism in solving its main problems. Because uh, I've always thought this, capitalism's main problem is the kind of increase in equality, if you like. Um, over time, inevitably, inequality increases to the point where the, the, the poorer group enters poverty. You know, it's not just poor, it, it literally enters poverty, and that's the main problem. If you set a standard line for everyone, uh, where they're all at a level of comfortable living, they may be poorer, but at least they're comfortable to take risks to, to push themselves further. You know, I have so many benefits. Like my dad, he started out as a farmer and found it really hard to get work. And he always wanted to be a plumber, but he can never afford to invest in that. And it's only 10 years ago, when he's in his 30s, where he managed to try and get his business off the ground after so much loss. And now he has quite a successful business, but he could have done that in his 20s with universal basic income, you know, and there would have been so much benefit there. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's just, it's just that launch pad, and it could be with capitalism, I think it could be so beneficial to encourage people to develop an ambition uh, within themselves and go further. Mm. Yes. That's really, really interesting. <sighs> That's, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Because it, just thinking about it, it's like, um, just just going from like my experience of lockdown and furlough and things um, I didn't work very often but it was but because it was college and work it seemed like it was very very busy so going from all of that to then nothing at all it was like a few weeks of just consuming and not really um, outputting much and not really working hard and that kind of thing but then a few weeks in um, that kind of got old and I didn't really like the fact that I wasn't outputting anything and I didn't like that I was just receiving information and then I started doing things like setting up the podcast and stuff because that filled a gap in my life that was like I just, I'm just not doing anything and I want to do things and I guess with universal basic income the I, the like the cool good bit is that like it doesn't matter how long you just receive and consume for because there's no economic or social negative of that so you can just do that for as long as you want and then when you find a motivation to do your own thing like set up a podcast or um, start studying for something then you can and that that's better than being forced into that because you have to because if you don't then you'll just not be able to survive kind of thing so I guess that I don't know if how ide idealistic that is but from my perspective it seems like that's that's a thing that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's really cool. Um. Um. I, I'm just purely in, just, just genuinely interested as far as like going from doing lots of work with college to nothing. I suppose it's not the same for you, Izzy, because you've had online lessons and things. But maybe you can compare it to like um, breaking up and stuff. Yeah. Honestly, I. Because it, it was really weird, and I think that everybody experienced it in a different way. As, for example, okay, I was really, like, motivated, honestly, like, the first couple months. And then it got to June, and I'd, I took a week off um, because I was ahead in everything, which was the worst thing I could have done, because... Is this while oh, you were having online lessons, by the way? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. And... Um, it just kind of went downhill from there and then obviously the motivation as well 
to like keep up and everything and then it gets stressful because you know that you've got to be on top of everything because I've got my marks in and or even like the teachers are gonna have like your predicted grades in like um, the application and things so it's it's all very stressful or like for example um, a good friend of mine she she uh, on the other hand was um, it was uh, she didn't you know um, when because I feel like some 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 people might have um, been asked also by their families as well knowing that they were home think their families maybe thought that they had more free time as well so ask them like to be like more um, help like help uh, the family out more yeah. or have more responsibilities income wise as well because nobody because obviously not enough income maybe is coming in from quarantine so even to get you know like little jobs or whatever yeah. she had a totally different experience from mine and she's like an A student A star student yeah. and she got so stressed out probably I think what happened was she kind of didn't do the first month and then just got left behind and obviously that's so overwhelming then mm. to like pick up and know that you've got loads of things to be doing so I think honestly I'm pretty lucky to have had the, to have been in the fortunate fortunate thing where I was fine motivation wise and nobody really asked me to do anything at home but I feel like people were in like worse situations than mine and yeah so I just like feel bad for them like I'm already feeling stressed out let alone people that have didn't do any work so I'm sure it'll be fine fingers crossed <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's really interesting <laughs> It's 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 come back to a lot of things that like, because just this is just general day to day things. Nothing about um, furlough or anything like that. Just when I'm, I guess I guess like, um, I was thinking it mostly during college, but also like after a couple of weeks, if I was studying, I'd study like a little bit, and then if I just like went on YouTube for a little bit and just relaxed and stuff, I'd kind of feel bad about. Um, doing that and just receiving and I felt like there was that by doing that it was not enough and that kind of thing and I don't know if it's that like so universal basic income kicks in you spend a certain amount of time just receiving and chilling and being up with your friends and stuff I don't know if the point of like motivation comes up when you because like whilst you're consuming and stuff you're probably going to be feeling all right and it's going to be like oh this is really chill and I'm happy and then it's only when you become unhappy and unfulfilled by it that then you get your motivation to um, to like do something more. So it's kind of like because that's quite a privileged thing to be in. That like you think of it as like rich people, they like if they've got all their money from their parents and stuff, and they can live a comfortable life without having to work. They're like happy for a little bit, but then sometimes they get unhappy, and then they want to like break free from all of the support and stuff. And it's kind of similar to that, but I don't know if that's, I guess that's better, but then it's just kind of human nature-y kind of stuff. 
and motivation and things. I guess if it keeps people out of jail and of like not being able to eat and stuff then it's better and I guess because it's it, the motivation comes from instead of like necessity and I'm literally just not gonna be able to eat if I don't do this thing it's either that or um, I'm unhappy with my situation and I want to improve it so that's kind of like a, a really that's I think that is better and I think people would prefer that and it's kind of a bit of a, like comparing that to like a, a, a poor country they'd see that as being like oh my god you're so privileged how, how, how can you just not do anything and stuff and it's yeah because that's that's what I sometimes think about when I'm like not doing stuff that like if someone from a poor country was in my situation they'd be so much more hardworking and motivated that because they've like had to be that they'd like be better and stuff and that that's the kind of standard that I should have but I don't know that's it's getting way too deep now <laughs> yeah is it I guess this is the question that I always come back to when I think about like YouTube and stuff when because I'm I'm watching a YouTube video and whilst I'm doing it I'm like I'm happy and I'm getting the dopamine fix and all that stuff yeah, yeah. is that like and and like whilst you're watching the video you don't feel unfulfilled you just gen you just like feel pretty good is that like something that we should we should like dis like um what's it, what's the opposite of incentivize that's that's what i'm trying to say like should we like m like try and encourage people not to do that because that because what, what that what doing that would be is giving some people another kind of motivation because it's like stop watching youtube you should because it's bad or or is it is it bad i guess that's the question i mean i feel like it's it's the same uh cigarettes and alcohol really uh you kind of need a warning there to let people be responsible um because the thing is with social media and youtube it, it does seem to be more and more clear that like you say it's a quick dopamine fix sometimes like i'm the same i, I constantly watch cooking videos on my uh my phone when I want a little break from my work, but sometimes it goes from just 10 minutes to 30 minutes, I'm like, where's that time gone? It's just so good at distracting you and keeping you focused on something you don't even realise. Um, but then again, it's not a bad thing in moderation, like anything, you know, you can always have a pint of beer on a Friday night, maybe more than one, but as long as you're not depending on it. Um, so I think you just need to be aware of it and be careful, and help definitely needs to be there for people who are. Yeah. Like, honestly, I think that the worst thing that I can do when I'm studying is when I take a break, go onto social media or YouTube or whatever, because honestly, like, it, I know it's my break, but I, I won't go back to studying, especially not with the same mindset and, like, you know? So okay. I, I think that the, if, <laughs> like, and it's really hard, you know, because p people are used to it and, you know, you want to catch up with what's going on and everything in that, in that maybe hour or two hours where you've just been head down studying. But so it's really hard to like um, push yourself to not do that, to not go on social media or YouTube or whatever. But I think the best thing to do is like really set a routine 
maybe even fill your breaks with something to do or because and then just you know like maybe the evening or whatever when you've done like everything that you wanted to achieve that day to like just sit down you know relax yeah <laughs> it's like that um you know the nine to five job that we were talking about where you then get back and you've done and you're happy because you can just like finally relax yeah that kind of thing yeah i think it really connects back to um the kind of you know human roots where like our human nature is mainly built on the longest period of time of our development which is hunting gatherer and the idea that a day was spent trying to get you know forage for berries or whatever and try and get meat and you use the energy to do it and then you feel tired and you feel that satisfaction of yeah. achieving something that still carries through way to today it's just a different way of doing it yeah. and i feel yeah. like we need to try and stay in touch with that because it's something you can't always change human nature you have to work with it so the idea of just doing nothing like when we're talking about it, it kind of made me think of history i can't really think of many people in history who reached a point where they were so wealthy they could do nothing um you know it's definitely some examples that people have but a lot of them you know, for example, 1700s, where French aristocracy and European aristocracy were so rich they could do what they wanted and they were so well fed, they started learning things and researching science. And then you got, you know, philosophers and people doing that stuff. And there's just so many examples where they start, or even politics or money, the Medici, for example, um, they never stopped their bank. They carried on making more and more money and eventually. Yeah got into marriage into royal families and say so, yeah there's always further to go and i feel like even if they achieved their certain like the first lot of goals there's still an ambition to go further rather than just sit there and do nothing it's just most people i don't think are content with that yeah i've got to go by the way oh <laughs> i'm gonna cook tea that's fair <laughs> okay um but yeah, all that stuff that you just said was like really, really interesting and very deep. And I think we'll, I think we need to talk about it on another one so we can yeah. delve more into it. And I think, because I had a lot of stuff about technology addictions that was just fusing so well into what you were saying. But that's for, that's for a different episode. Yeah. <sighs> so yeah, uh, Sam's got to get some yummy tea because he's melted <laughs> his brain from being so woke. Um, Three, I've got to go. <laughs> Thank you everyone uh, for coming, not yeah. just the people who are in here now, um, but everyone else, because all of you are very woke, and that got so fucking deep just then, <laughs> and that's a very good sign because it shows how woke you all are. <sighs> but yeah, um, thank you, genuinely thank you all very, very much for coming, because it's been really fun. And woke, so yeah, bye-bye, um, um, really, that's it, really, yeah. Um, thank you. Great podcast, always enjoyable. Yep. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, um, links to like um, social media that anyone's wanted to promote will be in the description as usual. Um, but yeah, um, bye bye, everyone. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Okay. okay.